Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome back to the uh, 2021 uh, FMSC Fargo Mobile Pack uh, Packathon Telethon. This is something brand new. This is our first ever. And uh, hey, we we have a lot of firsts. We have a lot of first first time things going on. We've never ever. Uh, uh, done this before. We've never done a telethon like this. We've never done a, a podcast like this. And so welcome to that podcast. My name is Ryan Jenke. And as always, I'm joined by Pastor DJ Laura. Hi, hello, hello. Sarah DeYoung is around somewhere. You mean I'm going to lose my seat? You, well, I just I, got, oh boy. I apologize for this. No, no, well. I apologize for this. <laughs> it's all right. Sarah DeYoung, how are you? like I just ran a marathon, which I sort of just did. Well, Sarah, uh, uh, again, my name is Ryan Janke. I'm joined by Pastor DJ Lura and Sarah DeYoung, as always, and welcome to that podcast, uh, live from the 2021 Fargo Mobile Pack Packathon Telethon. And uh, we're doing a lot of firsts today, uh, our, first our first telethon, our first live recording of that podcast, um, and we also have a guest today. Dave Gunlickson. If you've been watching uh, this morning, if you've been watching the telethon, you've seen him all morning long and now into the afternoon. And Dave is here. Welcome, Dave. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you guys. I'm excited. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Uh, and um, uh, we, we had some technical difficulties a little, a little earlier, but one thing that we don't have is DJ's sound noisemaker. Not I know. here today. I know. It didn't get I just... brought down? Forgot it. I got to make all the noises myself. So <laughs> clap and da 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 charge and whatever else we can think of at that point. Spot on on him at least. You like that? Yeah. I've been practicing. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> oh, well, this is going to be fun. I'm I'm happy that we're doing this. Before we get going, uh, for those of you who are watching live, uh, I'll give out some information here. Uh, if you'd like to donate um, to this wonderful, wonderful cause, Feed My Starving Children, you can do so at fmsc.org slash Fargo Give, or you can call in. We have an old school telethon going on with people here standing by, uh, and you can call 701 237 9651. That's 701 237 9651. So uh, let, let's get going here. Dave, how yeah. are things going? Good. I was so, I was just sharing earlier, you know, we're so used to cell phones these days that if someone calls, we don't want to talk. What do we do? <laughs> can I call you back? Send a text. How awesome today. There's a phone number for you. You can call somebody, they're going to pick up. You can talk, you can feed kids. I think it's pretty cool. And they want to answer the phone to talk to they you. They want yes. it, they will answer the phone. You won't go to phone. voicemail. Yeah, for sure. No voicemail today. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, this is great. D Dave, it's been uh, fantastic having you. You've been here since yesterday afternoon uh, doing some stuff. But last night, Sarah, you weren't here, and that's a shame. Uh, DJ, you were here. Uh, blown away. Blown away. Blown, blown away. away is a good way to put it. Uh, Knocked Dave, over. Dave spoke to our, our youth here, our uh, sixth grade and up group, our uh, confirmation and elevate kids, and uh, yeah, blew us away. And you had them in the palm of your hand, Dave. Mm, thanks. Yeah. It, it was great. You yeah. know, um, I've uh, spent time with kids in ministry for a long time, and this is a pretty big space. We had about, what, a, in this space itself, we had, we had over 100 kids. Yep. Uh, and standing room only on the outside, and we did set it up to social distance, so it kind of looked like you were walking into a gym to take your SATs. 
<laughs> like everyone had their own spot, <laughs> six feet away from everyone, perfectly filled out. But you could hear a pin drop in here. I mean, it was dead silent. And, and it wasn't as if the, the con confirmation middle schoolers and high schoolers were asleep. I mean, I know what that's like. I've taught them when they're falling asleep. It was just hanging on every word. Yeah. And so it was, it was quite a sight to behold. And not only did it have an impact in your talk, Dave, but then when they went into small groups, that's when things really started to mesh. And so, again, thank you for, for bringing that. Uh, uh, God showed up in, this, in the midst of everyone through the word that you were mm -hmm. preaching. Yes. Well, you know, it's really, it was my honor. I pulled into town yesterday afternoon and Amy said, hey, how do you feel about speaking to the youth group tonight? And I'll be honest, I love feeding starving kids. I've been doing it for nine years, but a call that God has put in my life and uh, something that I've been passionate about for a long time is fighting for the hearts of teenagers. And uh, so anytime anybody gives me a chance to talk to teenagers in a room where they actually might listen, I'll take it anytime <laughs> I can get it. So thanks for that opportunity. I was really honored last night. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. Um, it, was, it was really, really special. Uh, so Dave, Dave, you are with Feed My Starving Children. Um, what, what is your role with, Steven, with Feed My Starving Children? Yeah, so I guess my official role would be working with mobile pack development at Feed My Starving Children. And, and really what that means is my life is finding more partners and taking care of partners that we already have. And so I have a couple of regions of the country. Obviously, this year we've changed some staffing with COVID um, that I work in primarily to maintain relationships with hosts like you guys, do whatever I can to help mobile packs happen, while at the same time constantly looking for new partners and new conversations to hopefully get people excited about packing in their community. Cool. You know, um, I, don't, I don't know if this has been brought up yet, but I'm just curious. I mean, in this last year, are there packs happening around the country? And, and I guess where are the packs happening and how many? And Yeah, so it's been, as, as for many of you, as we can say, it's been kind of a crazy year. Yeah. Uh, whatever we say about 2020, right? Mm -hmm. um, where's Bernie? We need Bernie. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> some mittens. And, uh, you know, last March we were in full-blown. We do about somewhere around 300 mobile packs a year, in addition to our permanent locations that we have in Dallas and Dallas area, Richardson and Mesa, Arizona, Illinois, I'll throw out Chicago and the Twin Cities. We have sites that people can come to six days a week and pack. We do these to 250 to 300 mobile packs a year all over the country. And we were in our busiest time of the year gearing up for April, which is always our kind of peak of the season, and COVID happened. Mm -hmm. And suddenly we were making the call, staff in the air flying to an event saying, get back on the plane, come home. Um, we're not going to do these right now because they're not safe. Mm -hmm. And so we had shut down mobile pack last March. Uh, and our hope was we worked all throughout the summer to try to shoot for a March 1st date to come back and start to relaunch Mobile Pack. And with the numbers that happened uh, earlier in the, or later in the fall here, November, December, with COVID, our executive team and our board made the decision to wait until June 1st. So we are chomping at the bit for June 1st. Um, we've spent the last year figuring out ways that we can pack completely as safe as we can. And so it's going to look a little different when you come to Mobile Packs, but the idea will still be the same. And they may be a little smaller for a while until we kind of get things hopefully better and, and back to normal for all of us. But um, our hope is by June 1st that we'll be back up in mobile packing. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, so I, I, have, uh, uh, I have a question, but, um, uh, well, first I'll let you answer the question. <laughs> uh, what is... Uh, one of the questions that we asked during the, uh, during the recording for this telethon that we did ahead of time, 
to people was, what was your first experience with FMSC like? Now you're with, you know, you work for the organization, um, but do you remember that first, like, first experience? Like, what was it? What was it like for you? Yeah, you know, I just finished seminary. I was a middle school pastor at a church, and took my kids on a week long experience in the Twin Cities immersion experience through ministry there. And one of the nights we went and packed to feed my starving children. And I had an incredible time, and I watched what it did for kids to see their hands busy and for them to hear what you just packed is going to change lives. I mean, there's nothing that's like that for kids, that they can have that immediate of an impact. And I walked out, and I kind of jokingly said to the staff, like, I'll be here someday with you guys. You know, at this point, I'm a brand-new pastor. I don't know if I was serious about it, but God obviously knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. But I loved it so much that I said, this is a place I could work. And five years later, lo and behold, <laughs> and now nine years after that, I'm, I'm work, still working at Feed My Starving Children. So my first impression was I just loved what it did for teenagers and uh, for the opportunity that it gave them to, to learn something of the world, that their worldview wasn't this big anymore, that FMSC blew that wide open. And they did it with cool young staff. They did it with wonderful videos and they got your hands into it. And I couldn't think of anything better for my kids. So, yeah. That's great. So Dave, you probably don't remember this, but I want to share my first uh, experience in meeting you. Oh boy. It was, <laughs> this could be dangerous. It was uh, uh, late January, 2019. It was about 30 below in Fargo. I had come up here from Charlotte, North Carolina. I had about five layers of clothes on <laughs> that entire winter as I was getting reacclimated to what it's like to live here after being in a place where it snows, but the snow has the good sense to leave when it's overstayed its welcome. And it was about 5.30, maybe 6 a.m., and we were setting up the, um, the Shields Arena. And you were sergeant-at-arms. I mean, it was, I, it was early, and there was a lot to do, and it was cold, and we'd already had to cancel um, some, some packs. But so many people came that quickly that you had so many hands that it was just, I watched you pace up and down the Shields <laughs> Arena main floor where the hockey rink sits. Yeah. And there wasn't any ice on there, but it was like you were skating all over the place. And I was thinking, boy, this guy means business. Then when it came time for the first pack, who do I see walk up to the mic as the MC to the crowd? Mm. It was you. And the demeanor was just full of energy and full of excitement. And, and it, it's, it's something that, that hit me as, you know, you, did, you, you do what you have to do for the hard stuff at the beginning to get it going, but it, what was coming out of you at this point was, it wasn't all business. This is joy, and this is excitement, mm. and, and it was genuine. Mm. And I just, th uh, just thought the world of you for how you got us all mobilized, so to speak, to get all those tables set up and in the right place and get everything the way it needed to be. And then once the party started, it really was <laughs> a party. It was. And uh, anyway. You know, we, it was a crazy morning because... I had gotten the last flight out on Wednesday night to get to Fargo, um, and our staff couldn't get here. And so the next morning, we had to make a decision, and uh, I just had to keep buying time until the staff. So what do you do? You kind of pretend like you know what you're doing, right? Uh, and I had worked with Bullpack for a long, long time, but it's changed a lot in terms of that side of it that I don't do as often. And um, it was so incredible. I mean, it was freezing cold outside. Literally, you mm -hmm. walk outside, one of those, you all in Fargo know what it's like, and to see people show up that early in the morning and when the staff came in, the whole room was ready. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a big part, a lot of it was done because Fargo had just said, we're still going to do this. No polar vortex is going to stop us. And, you know, it reminded me, I, I shared a story 
in orientation. And I came to Fargo for the first time as a college freshman, sophomore maybe, on a choir tour. And uh, it was right around when the floods were happening here in Fargo. Maybe one of the many times, I don't know for sure. <laughs> and uh, we came up to sing and do a tour uh, and sang and then we helped fill sandbags. And it was the yeah. first time in my life, we had not experienced anything in Green Bay where we had a rally. The only thing we rally for in Green Bay is football games. Sure. <laughs> and um, I watched this whole community come together on that trip as a young man, uh, serving each other in any way that they could to save their community and stop this river. And um, it, it changed me as a young man. And so to be able to come back into Fargo from one of my first experiences here to, to be at a mobile pack and just go, this is just what these people do. Like they don't, nothing stops them. Floods, freezing cold weather. Um, they just, they get it done. And they do it because they love each other and they think about other people. Um, and for me, Fargo will always have that special kind of spirit of, in many ways for me, Fargo taught me a lot about what it is to be the gospel. Hmm. And when God says, love me and love people, I've experienced that in some of its most extreme forms and extreme weather uh, hmm. here in Fargo. And with no complaining and with no, like, you do it or it's too cold, or, there's nothing that stops folks here from really coming out and doing all that they can to serve others and bless others. It's pretty incredible. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I remember that as well. I wasn't on staff here yet, but I remember uh, it was cold. I mean, it's, you know, it's T-shirt weather till, what, zero around here? 30 (laughs) below is cold. I I will quote the good pastor that we have here, the senior pastor, Paul Cross, it was stupid cold. <laughs> yes. Silly. It'd be a great t-shirt, stupid cold. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember that too. It was cold and it was neat. Um, it was neat to, uh, how, how far behind were we on that shift? Well, I know we had canceled. Uh, the crazy thing is I flew out the next day. I had to go speak somewhere else. Um, and when I left, we, we had canceled the first two shifts. Yeah. And so I flew out just thinking, they're going to just do the, all I said to the staff before I left was just do the best you can. Like, there's no way we're going to hit 2.5 million. It's not going to happen. It's okay. We know we couldn't help it. You couldn't get here. We couldn't start on time. And I just kept getting phone calls while I'm speaking in Wichita, Kansas for the weekend. Like I'm, I'm in shock every time I pick up my phone because it just kept happening and catching up. And it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And we surpassed it. Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, so a question that I have, uh, I asked you about your first experience, but one experience that I've heard you talk about a couple times, and I'd like to, I'd like for you to share that uh, here, is uh, the story of the 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 young man in the sports. I think it was a sports program yeah. uh, that was filling the pockets. Can yeah. you tell that story? Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite parts of my job, and you know, my, people might think you're crazy for saying this, but. I love to travel to where this food is and taking people to see it for the first time. Uh, and I've had the opportunity to do that several times with folks. Yeah. Oh, I had a chance to do that several times with folks. And, and there's a place in Port-au-Prince, Haiti called um, City Soleil. And then they call it the poorest area in the Western Hemisphere. And they're literally people stacked on top of each other. It feels like when you're there and it's violent and it's rough and there's not a lot of food, there's not a lot of water and it sits right on the ocean and it's kind of on a dump. There's a lot of trash there as well. So it's a pretty crazy area. And uh, they have a program there where they have kids come and play football or play soccer. And these coaches, I mean, this is, there's not a grass field. It's a gravel field. Kids come and they're serious and they're disciplined and coaches take it very seriously. And one of the things that happens at the end is um, it's a feeding program. And kids get a chance to have a meal. And I was down there with a the church actually from the Twin Cities. 
pretty amazing. We got there, we looked at the boxes of food, and they have these massive kettles they cook it in. And we realized the food we were serving was packed at their church. Mm-hmm. Pretty powerful time to see food packed in Minnesota at their church, and they were getting to serve it on the other side. We couldn't have made that up. I mean, it yeah, just right. happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting with these kids, and there's a language barrier, but there's never a human barrier when you're with kids. They don't care if you're picking them up and shaking them and having fun with them. And <laughs> um, just sitting with this little man, and these guys are focused. I mean, this is their meal for the day. They've been waiting all day for this meal. And he is, he's working that spoon, and he's getting taken care of. But at the same time, he's putting, putting stuff in his pockets. And he's filling his food, his pockets with FMSE food. And I just watched him. I, I was like, what are you, can I get you some more? Or and what are you doing? And, you know, come to find out later that he had a little brother and sister that couldn't be in the soccer program yet. And so um, he was bringing food home to feed them. And just an amazing story. And just to take it even a step further, what's so cool about this particular program, somebody from Minnesota brought that team, a soccer team from there, up to play um, in a soccer tournament here in Minnesota. So imagine this Haitian soccer team. They're excellent soccer players. I've played against them many times. You can't beat them. Um, <laughs> flying up to Minnesota, and those kids had a chance to come in and pack <coughs> and beat one of our facilities in the Twin Cities. And just amazing to see that full, cir- um, full circle experience for these kids. Really unbelievable. I'm, I'm sure there's tons and tons of stories like that mm-hmm. that you can share from over the years. Um, what's your favorite uh, uh, memory so far with FMSC? I mean, um, I, I, maybe two. Can I give you two? Yeah. Uh, yeah we got time. No. Yeah. No. I believe I mean, yes for one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's the obvious things. I work with some of the best people on the planet. And these people are passionate. I'm one of the older guys on staff, passionate, bleeding heart, young people who um, I love having a chance to pack with my own kids. It's been amazing to watch them and hair nets from little kids up and out to teenagers. Uh, but two that stand out for me that will always stand out, um, we met with the Somali community in the Twin Cities. Uh, and this was during, they were projecting a, a horrific famine to hit Somalia, and it did. And things were really, really bad in Somalia. If you've been around long enough, you remember some of the images you've seen over, over the years of Time Magazine and some of the things specifically from Somalia. And the Somali community said, um, and this is a, a Muslim community coming to us and saying, um, we're not your, you're not our first choice to serve with because you're a Christian organization. Mm-hmm. But we need um, food. What can we do? And uh, seven weeks later, we had rented um, the River Center in St. Paul. And we came together and packed just shy of five million meals. Wow. Uh, in seven weeks. And the staff rallied and we ordered ingredients like crazy and we hit the airwaves. And I was in the mosque every Friday recruiting and trying to convince people it was okay to come pack. It's just this amazing experience of watching people rally. And you're seeing Muslims and Christians and politicians and city men and volunteers and all these folks from all over the Twin Cities coming together, almost 20,000 people or whatever, um, to pack just shy of five million meals uh, in seven weeks. And we got done with that event, and it was during Ramadan, so they were fasting as well, many of the Muslims. They would pack all day long and then break fast at nighttime. So you're just watching them pack like crazy. And there was a sense of urgency in the air for many of the folks from Somalia, the refugees that live in the Twin Cities, because it was, it was going home for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sat with a young woman one night at night. Um, she was waiting for a ride, and we were just all kind of cleaning up and visiting, and she was just breaking her fast. And... Uh, she was pretty tired, and I was just asking about her experience and so on, and she said, yeah, I'm pretty tired. I didn't sleep very well last night. I said, oh, you know, it was Ramadan, you know, often with Ramadan, they'll stay up later at night, and 
uh, celebrate together and eat together and visit together. And she said, no, I was just, uh, I was busy doing something. And I said, well, can I ask what you were up to? And she just said, you know, I was online looking at you guys, looking at your website. And uh, she just looked up at me and I'll never forget. She said, I just kept asking myself, why do you do this? And uh, it was for me, I even get chills talking about it now, just so powerful of a moment to see someone's heart and eyes open just by watching people be the hands and feet of Jesus. And it called her to go, what are you doing? Like, why? Why do you care about people in Somalia? And uh, for me, that's a moment for me at FMSC that will stand out probably for the rest of my life. Uh, just sharing that brief, and we didn't have much conversation beyond that, um, but just I knew that her life was different because she had been there. And, you know, and probably the other, I mean, I could tell for days. I got lost, but <laughs> I'm a bit of a storyteller. Um, being in Batay 106 in the Dominican Republic, and Batays are uh, small camps that are around sugarcane communities, and they're mostly Haitians who live in Dominican, and they work in the sugar fields all day long. And we did a, we spent a year with this community, several years, feeding a community called Batay 106. And I'd watched videos on it for years and told stories about it and did orientations and we had videos about Pate 106. And there's a little boy in all the videos, his name is Chimmy. And I had a chance a few years ago to go to Pate 106 with just a few other staff members. And I'm standing in Pate 106 and it's just this, it's really this powerful place what God has transformed there. And I'm standing there and we're visiting and we're hanging out and the little kids are hanging all over you, you know, like they do. And I looked down and my other staff member said, do you know who that is? And I looked down and hanging on my arm was, was Chimmy. And uh, it's one thing to see him on the video. It's a whole other thing to hold a kid in your arms who you've been talking about and see how healthy he looked and how much energy he had and the difference this food has made in his life. And um, one of the greatest honors of my time at FMC was to hold that kid and spend a few minutes playing with him and hanging out with him in Bate 106. So that's a couple yeah. But there's there's many, many more for sure. So Yeah, that's great. So um I've I, I've heard about the 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 packed food and how impactful it is. I've heard that it's been used like in place of medicine in certain parts of the world because there was no medicine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they just feed the food. I, is it asking too much to say see if you would uh reveal the secret recipe uh, on that <laughs> podcast? Or is it a secret? Or what, what is in the pack? Well, you know, there's some other things that we make. We make a couple of different potato products as well. And we don't pack a lot of these, but one of them specifically has been created for folks suffering from cholera, mm. which you get from bad water. And so this food has been life-saving in that way is that it stops the diarrhea, which is a, maybe more detailed than you want <laughs> on the podcast. But if you get cholera, it's a pretty good chance it's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And this food has been critical. And the other one is for, um, for breastfeeding mothers, for their babies, if they can't not feed their own children because they don't have enough nutrition. It's a potato product that's more of a powder form that helps feed kids a lot at the malnutrition clinics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so those two foods in particular have been specially created. And it really the secret in the food is just the vitamins. Yes, it's the fill and it's the protein, but it's the, the vitamins that give kids a chance. Mm-hmm. And you can literally see a kid who has had Feed My Starving Children food. You know, kids in... Haiti, for example, their hair will start to turn orange and get brittle. And the best thing to see in Haiti is a kid with black roots and orange tips. Did they get their hair colored? No. That means their hair is getting healthy again, and they're getting healthy again. And when those orange tips disappear, then you know the vitamins have worked and made a difference for those kids. About a decade or so ago, I was serving a church in Minnesota, and we'd done a a small pack there. Um, And 
before we did the pack, we actually, uh, we would feed our confirmation kids, you know, uh, before we would do these things. But that Wednesday, before we did the pack, uh, we had them try the food and then get to explain to them that for many kids, most kids, that one meal is the only meal they would have all day, mm -hmm. just that little bit. Um, but it's just, it's amazing to me what a difference even just that little bit can do to, to bring, bring life mm -hmm. and yeah. to restore life. Uh, and it's a humbling thing to think that we have so much of, air, of abundance here um, that there are people around the world that don't even have this little bit. But when we give, when we, we become a part of that, uh, there's, a, there's a sense of humbleness and, and gratitude that comes to us, uh, as well as a, a desire to, to serve. At least that's been the experience that I've had with youth going through and doing a pack and discovering what it is that Feed My Starving Children does. So, yeah, It's a neat way to, to get, um, you know, to, to open up some kids' eyes because, you know, like DJ said, we don't, you know, for most of us, it's not a problem. It's it's not an issue. Um, all the videos, you know, are are touching. But one that always gets me um, is the video with um, the the mom with two kids and had to decide which one was going to get fed and which one wasn't going to get fed. And then they finally got the FMSC food. But even you know, think about the kids, but the parents too. Like, how do you make that choice? How do you, you know, how do you, how can you well, do that? And it's crazy Kind of makes too. our choices over, do I go with Verizon yeah. or AT&T seem like, a little fickle, doesn't yeah. it? Right. It's Ooh, crazy, too, when you look at, like, a pouch that's, like, about the same size as, like, I always think of an Uncle Ben's, like, mm -hmm. ready pouch mix, and that's six meals for people. But for us, it's like, oh, I would, like, that's two servings of rice for me for supper. Right. First world problems, mm -hmm. yeah. right? One of the yeah, first absolutely. times I took folks to Haiti, uh, we were with a soccer program that, We'll hear maybe see a video from later today in the telethon. And we had kids line up from the soccer program. And f as far as you could see, there's kids that come to eat. And the we gave our donors the chance to hand out the food to the kids. And a woman came back in tears and saw the empty kettle, saw two more bowls and more kids in that. And she came back and she said she was in tears. And she said, I can't do this. I said, well, she goes, I can't choose which ones to give it to. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, we had more food we were able to cook and prepare and serve. But, I mean, this is a daily reality for some of these mothers. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the first time I put a box of food on a mother's head and our eyes met. And tears for both of us because um, I knew where this food had come from. And for her, what this food meant to her and her family for the next month was pretty profound. And so, power, really powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I, 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 I just keep interrupting you, Ryan. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I had heard... We got time. <laughs> You know, sometimes people think about the big problems in the world and they think, well, we can never fix those. Um, you know, wh why can't we, we solve world hunger? I've heard that it's, there, there's a mathematical number and we have enough food in the world to feed everyone. We have enough money to make it happen. That's a feasible number. What keeps us from doing it? Well, often it's, it's our wills. It's, it's, it's control. It's things like that. And... When I think about that problem and that it, it, there is a solvable solution, I think that Feed My Starving Children is a really um, good avenue to combat that, 
to, to know that this is something that we can all be a part of. There's no limit to who can be a part of Feed My Starving Children, whether it's, it's serving or whether it's giving of our, our, not just our time, but our treasure and so on. Um, everyone, everyone hearing this can be a part of that yeah. to end hunger. Right. And your, uh, your interruption actually helped me with a segue here. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I planned it. Yeah, Just exactly. for this, or? Well, no, you were... Wah, wah. There we go. Where's your machine? Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about, DJ, you were talking about um, the, the, that there is enough food. It's just getting it there. Um, feed my starving children. And this number blows me away mm-hmm. every time. Gets 99.7% of the, the food that's packed to the location safely. Can you touch on that, talk about that? Yeah, I mean, we share a lot of the numbers at FMSC. 24 cents feeds a kid, 216 meals in a box, six meals in a bag. Um, excuse me, of all the numbers I love to share, that's my favorite one. Because there's no way. That's, and that's crazy. Not, it's not us saying like, hey, Feed My Seven Children is really good at this. You know, the World Food Pro- Program isn't calling us and saying, what's your secret? <laughs> um, it really is. And I, say, I can't think of it any other way that said that God has these kids in mind. He knows their names. He knows their stories. And, I mean, we could tell you some stories about some of the things these containers have gone through to get where they are. And even a few of the containers that haven't made it, chances are still feeding people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's amazing to hear God's protection over this food as it's gone to different places. And the stories, if you sit with our international programs team ever, and they're the ones that work with all of our partners, they're phenomenal people, some of my favorites at FMSC, and if you hear their hearts and the stories they tell of, of what their partners go through every day to get this food, out of customs even is hard. I mean, customs in international countries, very, very challenging. Customs here is hard. Uh, but the, the travels, you know, Mark tells a story, and I won't get it all right, but basically of food making its way um, across the seas, food that went um, on a boat, on a truck, on a motorcycle, um, on a donkey, on a back, across the river. I mean, he could tell you the story, we can look it up for you maybe later, of like 16 different touches this food has, a full month's journey to get where it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, only God could orchestrate something like that. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, um, it, well, <laughs> there it is, the Sabbath. Yeah, uh, you've all, uh, loyal listeners of that podcast, have heard us talk about Elijah S. Elijah S. has some great questions. He sure does. Mm-hmm. Keeps us on our toes. He does. And uh, Elijah S. Uh, just, uh, we, we, we owe him again. Mm-hmm. Delivered the sound he, he just machine. delivered the goods. Oh, <laughs> oh man. There's a lo- usually a lot of uh, mayhem and shenanigans going yeah, on I like in it. that podcast. I like it. I yeah, like this it. is more like a PBS NewsHour version of, uh, <laughs> of that, that podcast. It's kind of nice. I feel yeah. kind of classy. I'm a little underdressed, but, you know. Yeah. 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 With the tables. and should have got We're actually talking about important stuff for yeah. a change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, uh what you said that um, you're, you're, we're praying, we're crossing our fingers for June 1. Um, what will that look like uh, going forward with um, PACs and, and that sort of thing? Are we using the, obviously going to use a similar model as before, um, mm-hmm. but is there going to be 
the the social distancing and the different protocols and all that sort of thing? Or are we still working that out? Or no, I think we're we're pretty close to ready with this this rollout. Uh, and really, what it's going to look like is everything's going to be further apart. When you pack at a station, it used to be we could say 20 people could fit at a station. Now you're going to hear us speak in terms of funnels, and we're going to say the max number at a funnel, at least for now, who knows, is going to be five people. If you know them, you live with them, you come together. Mm -hmm. So we've had situations on our sites where we have five on one side and one or two people on the other side. Um, and they actually pack faster than normally with 20 people because they have masks on and they're not communicating as much. And oh. music <laughs> is still cranking, but... Um, Lots and lots of safety stuff, taking your temperature when you come in the door, making sure we do sign-ups before people come in, screening people, come in with your group, sit with your group, wash your hands with your group, go to your pre-assigned station as a group. And so it's just going to feel like it's a lot more structured, moving things around, mm -hmm. but it's for the safety. We mm -hmm. really desperately, and by God's grace, we're so thankful, we haven't really had any instances with volunteers having any problems with COVID at our facilities that have been open since June. Um, some staffing things mm -hmm. on occasion, but it, we're so thankful. And so we want people to feel completely safe when they come out to pack. And that's why we moved from March to June, mm -hmm. because the numbers were so crazy for a while that we had to make mm -hmm. sure that we didn't want to put people in a high problematic situation. Mm -hmm. So we have, an, you know, we have a food expert, we have a safety expert. We're meeting together as a team three or four times a week to talk about every single detail to the point where when a staff member walks out of their house, what's the first thing they do? They take their temperature before they get their rental car. They take their temperature when they get there. We'll have a quarantine room at the facility, wherever the packing is. Stations will be spread apart. Um, our hope, and really we won't settle for anything else, is for our volunteers to be as safe as possible because we wouldn't ever want to be in a situation where people were getting sick packing with us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really proud of our team. Um, you know, we were down to just five of us left with Mobile Pack. We've been working on this since June. Uh, we had a lot of staff that have been laid off or let go for the time being, and so the hope is to bring some of them back if they want have that opportunity, and we'll be hiring a lot of new staff. And the training, I'll go through all the training again, even though I've been there nine years. We'll be really, really thorough to make sure people are really safe when they come back. Cool. What is, uh, what has, what's your favorite cheer? After everybody's <laughs> done, after everybody's done, uh, when they get a box filled, there's 36 bags per box yeah and and they encourage everybody after you get your box filled so that somebody knows to come and get it you got to have a cheer i figure you're just picking on me because i used to be a cheerleader I see, you <laughs> no, 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 i wasn't gonna do that uh, i mean the, my favorite is just people yelling box as loud as they can yeah um you know there's table seven manna from heaven box number seven manna from heaven Oh my gosh, I'm a little rusty. It's been a while. <laughs> um, but so much creativity from people over the years. Yeah. And it usually comes from little people. They'll whisper in an adult's ear or yell it out. Nobody can hear it, and then an adult will yell it louder for them. But you know, people that come in that look kind of well put together and pretty professional, and all yeah. of a sudden they're yelling out the top of their lungs at their station. Yeah. That's some of my favorite stuff. So, so in the uh, You guys uh, have one, maybe? Well, in the upper Midwest, we don't like to yell and scream and no, holler. No, we, we just uh, it's more of a smile at you as loud as we can. Over here. <laughs> really loud nods. <laughs> yeah, right. Can you hear it shaking yep. inside? Yeah. I got a question about, about the mobile pack events. Who chooses the soundtrack? Uh, the different <laughs> songs that are played. 
Um, and especially if, if it's the same every time, that has to be like a burned into your brain. I was going to ask, what's your favorite song from the man or the Mobile Pack playlist? Well, you know, it's crazy because this is the point of contention on staff a little bit. <laughs> uh oh, because we finally uh, got to uh -oh. the controversy. Well, you know, <laughs> this is what we're here for. The staff that do it all the time. They're like, I can't possibly listen to this song one more time. <laughs> if you play Sweet Caroline one more time, <laughs> there, there's been movements to ban that song from playlists at FMSC. Um, we have to remember the volunteers. Mm -hmm. Maybe their favorite song. And so it's a little... Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, it's a little touch and go. You turn the music down, everybody <laughs> sings it. And honestly, it is crazy what a playlist can do for... There it is. Yep. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what music can do to volunteer packing. Like, if you have a bad playlist... Packing just goes, mm -hmm. it bottoms out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'll go back to staff and say, listen, I, I know you love that song, mm -hmm. but it stinks. Like, no one's packing. <laughs> it's kind of like running a marathon. Yeah. Like, so got to keep that RPM up. <laughs> so, so you do have songs that were made after 1995? Yeah, we do. There you go, sir. You Unless you need them to slow down. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. So their arms start going up, they stop yep. packing. And so oh, right. yeah. it, there's a lot of controversy and a lot of uh, conversation. And then, of course, we've listened to all the songs. Because early on in my FMC career, I'd be walking across the floor singing a song going, oh, oh my gosh, what is this song saying? Uh-oh. Uh, the song sounds just innocent. And so we've had somebody who's gone through all the lyrics of every song to make sure we're appropriate. And some people want Christian music and some don't. And it is, it is a lot more work has gone into that than you would think. So, can I ask a Ryan, personal question the, about? Oh. Well, well, I was just going to say that um, last year Ryan and I were trying to decide we have a favorite rapper from the '90s. Yeah, and so we were going, no, no. we were going through uh, his set list and realized, yeah, these probably wouldn't be appropriate for it, the. It, uh, it was Sir Mixalot. Sir oh. Mixalot Swass. Yeah. yeah, buttermilk biscuits. Yeah, it's not going to work, man. No, it's not going to work. Well, no. I spent all three days last year asking for Dolly Parton's nine to five to be added. <laughs> And it never was. And I know that's Where appropriate. Where would that be on the PACO meter um, with, with we production? We can't give anybody the impression that we just work from 9 to 5. That's, that's <laughs> oh, never going to okay, work. Okay. If you've been to a mobile pack, in fact, that's one of the new yeah, things that's going to happen. We're going to shorten the days just a little bit. Who's got the gavel? <laughs> Wham! <laughs> yeah, we're done. Oh, man. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but you bring up uh, it's maybe one of the most touch-and-go things that happens. If you want to see a couple staff get mad at each other, so talking about certain songs, it is, it's tricky business. So. so when they're driving from location to location, they're, they're not playing the FMS. It's usually four headphones, <laughs> you know, right, listening to their own music. Just peace and quiet, soak it in for a couple days to go back to Well, loud. it's going to be so crazy when we come back. One of the things we're changing is um, when we travel together, we won't be able to ride in the same car anymore. Oh. And so when we land in a spot, it's going to be four different rental cars. Or we go to a spot, it's going to be four different cars. At least till we get some more... Mm -hmm relief with COVID, and so it'll be kind of weird to be... Staff will be a little bit different than it has been before. We won't be spending as much time together as we used to, for sure. Yeah, I suppose that can be, that can be good and bad. <laughs> yeah, well, they do become like family a little bit, Yeah, you know, because you're with them almost every weekend in some form or fashion, so... Wow. All right, um, well, we've got about five more minutes here. Um, do you have any other questions, DJ or, or Sarah? Well, I want to know what you're just a... Everybody, what's your favorite mobile packing memory Ooh. or moment? Well, for me, we have, I won't, I won't uh, name him specifically, but uh, <laughs> we get a, uh, um, we have a, a one-day adoption of one of the oh. congregation, um, uh, well, he's, he's a high schooler now, but he becomes a janky for a day because the first uh, pack that we ever did here at Atonement um, 
all of a sudden, his mom comes up about, I don't know, 45 minutes, hour later. Have you seen him? Oh, yeah, he's right here with us. <laughs> and so... Uh, he stays it, all day, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Every, every, uh, every, um, every mobile pack, he, uh, he's with us. So she, she knows right where to find him now is... <laughs> Even even at Shields Arena with just, however, just however find the many people there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, where, where, aren't you nervous? You don't know where he is? No, I know right where he is. <laughs> as soon as he comes through the door. That's one of my favorite memories is uh, the people that we've packed with and, and yeah. doing that and getting excited for it every year. I was going to say my favorite moment was once we started um, packing again, in the first, uh, two years ago, when during the polar vortex, is I got to pack for the first time uh, in, in a decade uh, with Pastor Becky and with Jarl Iverson. That's... And Becky is, without a doubt, um, a slave driver when it comes to packing. She was giving me so faster. You're too slow. Pull it down like this. Let's go. Let's go. But it was, it was fun to do it. She's there to pack 2.5 million meals. She is. She was not messing around. And it was just, it was a really cool experience. And I was just chuckling like, man, she is so fast. You know, I, th- I thought I was quick. I thought I was athletic. No, 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 no. You don't mess with Pastor Becky when it comes to packing. Maybe we should play. I can see your true colors shining through. <laughs> People's real personalities come out when they're under pressure. Oh, that's great. Dave, do you have a favorite Fargo memory? Um, wow. Um, I think, I, I think my favorite Fargo memory probably happened from afar when I wasn't here, uh, and being on stage, speaking in Wichita with teenagers and getting these texts over and over. And I'm just like, it's like a little miracle every time you like, come on, like no way. Yeah. And, uh, what that does for staff and what that did for your community. I mean, I think if your folks in Fargo didn't love mobile pack before, after that event, and an impossible weekend. I think they fell in love with Mulpack forever. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the best memories are not when you're here, but what you get to see happen and see God do. So for me, that's, there's so many more, but that's, there's no Mulpack where you'll eat better. There's no Mulpack mm-hmm. where you'll be treated better than you are here. Um, but for sure, that hearing that from afar, flying out of Fargo that weekend, just kind of turning it over to God and saying, okay, God, whatever you have for this thing. Yeah. And 48 hours later, it was done. Yeah. So That's great. How about you? Um, I think it's also the first year because the first shift that it was like call in just the random whoever is able to come just show up we'll pack some was that 2019 yep so polar vortex year and it was like the back corner of the shields arena was filled with volunteers and I don't even remember I think it was Amy who said it she's like that's what would fill the arc of atonement Mm -hmm. and then the next shift was full so just seeing that difference of like Oh, that's right. That was the first. Happen. That was the first year it was at the Shields Arena. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, it was in this in space. Here. Yeah. Yep. Oh wow. Yep. So just getting to see that difference of. Oh yeah. I, I will Turned say that was kind of neat driving because I was um, I was doing doing all the shifts in some capacity, part of just kind of meeting people mm-hmm. and and getting to be a part of this great ministry and being so excited that this is what this church is about, this is what this mm-hmm. community is about, and then to hear it come out on the radio that uh, we have some open shifts because of the polar vortex. Come to the Shields mm-hmm. Arena, uh, anyone and everyone. And Fargo rallied, and, and mm-hmm. it all came together. It's pretty cool. You know, we kind of joked five years ago. I mean, the vision was kind of put out there five or six years ago. Like, what would it look like for all of Fargo to kind of pack together mm-hmm. and to walk into Shields for the first time and see 
a vision that God had put on some people's hearts in this community kind of come to fruition. Mean, you see it happening. Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, yeah that's so. great. Well, Dave Gunlickson, thank you so much for joining us today on that podcast uh, and all day for the yeah. telethon. This has been fantastic. And last night, I, I, I won't get over that. Last night, uh, um, you had those kids right here. Wish I could do yeah. that. Some, just one time. Just one <laughs> just, time. Have just them. bring them back every year during <laughs> mobile pack time. <laughs> yeah, that was great. You remember, every God year, loves I'm you no matter what. Week. Okay. Uh, let's just keep bringing them back. <laughs> God loves you no matter what. And, and so do I. No, deal with it. Oh, deal. <laughs> deal with it. Deal, deal with it. it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. No, it was the. Oh yeah. yeah. Plus, yeah. and you having the kids tackle each other, but that's a that's a story we don't have to talk about here. That yeah, was... right. We picked two brothers to make sure. Yes. So. We, were, we were COVID COVID safe. Yeah. Uh, so all right, uh, DJ, would you mind saying a prayer? To... I'd love to. Gracious God, we thank you for um, all the blessings you give us. Thank you for this time to, to laugh and to share the goodness that we see you working um, through Feed My Starving Children, through the Fargo community, uh, through the churches, through, through everyone who, who you are calling to be in partnership with this, with this ministry and with this service. And we pray, Lord, that um, we would see your wonders happening through Feed My Starving Children for the hungry around the world, um, that we would see the miracles and wonders that you are working every day, that we are often so busy or so distracted that we don't see your Holy Spirit working. Um, I ask that you would bless Dave, you would bless the entire Feed My Starving Children staff and team, that more and more would come to partner with them and to be a part of this wonderful, wonderful life-saving ministry. Um, bless us as we go to what you are calling us to do. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And for those of you in podcast land, don't forget that you can join us every Sunday morning at 9 and 1030 a.m. for uh, services, a tradition service and a modern service. You can find us at atonement.live, atonementfargo.org, or by searching on YouTube, uh, searching Atonement Fargo. So for Pastor DJ Lura, Sarah DeYoung, and Dave Gunlickson, my name is Ryan Janke. Join us next time for another riveting episode of that podcast.